0: Welcome. We're going to start another sure. Connect This show right now. And this is going to be an exciting one. We're going to be talking about local, cool, grassroots, bottom-up projects. What do you do when no one wants to write you a check for $10 million to get started? And uh, we're going to be talking about that today with Deborah Simpier, who is the CEO and co-founder of Althea. Welcome back to one of my many shows, Deb.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Always honored to be a part.
0: Yeah, you were, you've been around um, uh, pretty much every show that I've been. I feel like you've made an entrance on. So I'm really <laughs> excited.
1: I've um, <and laughs> been
2: around for was- a while.
0: Well, you've also um, you're doing the most interesting work of a lot of people in this space. Uh, you and I just worked together um, on uh, actually, I say you and I, but really it was Henry who's running the show behind the scenes here, and Marin, uh, my staff, um, who helped to make some really great videos on building 2.5 gigahertz wireless networks in tribal country. So um, that's something people can dig into if they wish.
1: Exciting stuff! Yeah, absolutely, and and really encourage anyone interested in the LTE space to check that out. Lots of um, expansive opportunities there.
0: Yes. And maybe we'll talk even about that because um, I think there's going to be some future shows about whether LTE is really cool or if it's just more of top down, hierarchical, like bad design.
1: We're going (laughs) to fix that. We're going to fix that. We're going to I mean, we're going to be able to, you know, LTE for smaller operators is amazingly and powerful. Um, So uh,
0: I think it's going to be a great conversation when we get to that. So we'll look at that on the schedule. Um, We also have Neil Milet. And Neil, did I say that wrong?
1: No, Perfect.
0: So tell me how to introduce you because I didn't uh, write that down yet.
3: (laughs) That's That's, that's, that's perfect. Nice to, nice to talk to everybody. It's a pleasure to be on the show. I've watched it for a while and so much respect for, for everybody. So, yeah,
0: I appreciate that. The reason we wanted to have you on is my sense is, I mean, this is the first time you and I have ever talked. Um, (laughs) I've heard great things about you from mutual friends. You have built a really cool network just out of your garage, basically, right?
3: Yeah, we're still building it. It's under construction. Um, so yeah, talk about bootstrap. That's what we're all about here in Indiana. That's what we do. It
0: so. yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Uh, your LinkedIn profile claims you're an inventor. So we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna find out more about that. Um, and then our, 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 normal co-host, Travis Carter is back. Uh, Travis is normally, um, you know, kind of the mom and pop, uh, ISP providing that perspective. Now he's the man today. He's like the big guy, the one built operating the big network at scale and everything else. So, yeah, so yeah, Travis-
2: it only took 26 years, but you know, we got there. So you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm excited to hear the stories because, uh, it's not easy to start one of these networks with, with, uh you know, in the, in your garage, it's going to be interesting to hear. So thanks for having me, Chris.
0: I'm excited. Cause you, you'll, you'll definitely be asking much better questions than me uh, in terms of uh, uh, the different challenges of getting started up. Um, uh, ne- and Travis, you're at the USI fiber in Minneapolis, which is in front of what, like 200,000 homes. Now uh, yep. you're crushing it.
2: Yeah. We're it's, it's been a, been an interesting last couple of years. Let's put it that way. So yes, things are going well. But Remember, I'm pro-fiber, but I'm hoping we're going to talk some wireless today.
0: Oh, yeah. I think we'll talk about whatever gets the job done and how to move forward with it. Perfect. Uh, and I'm Chris Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I uh, run the Community Broadband Networks program, and uh, pretty much anything that I can do to keep a microphone in my face is what I do. Uh, And so we'll be um, for the next uh, 55 minutes or so, maybe an hour and 10 if we're lucky, we will be talking about this stuff, but please uh, drop questions in. Uh, I don't exactly know how you drop questions in on Twitter, but um, on most of the interfaces that you can find us on, you can ask a question and then we will force our guests to give it some kind of consideration most likely. So please ask questions. And, uh, I think let's, let's start, uh, Neil by asking you, um, you know, what was, what was the first thing you did? You're talking about you're building a network, but like, have you turned on any customers and how did you get started down this path?
3: Well, thank you for having me again, everyone. It's a privilege to be here. Um, I I think what people in rural America want more than anything is opportunity. So that's what inspired me, uh, to really start this during the pandemic. I, I honestly got bored and sitting around. My internet's terrible at in my house. I mean, it works. I mean, I'm really fortunate compared to most people, but it's not the best. And I was sitting around like all of us were saying, what can I do to make a difference? So I realized that there's, in our village of about 600 people, there was this big old opera house that was just sitting vacant. So I actually bought that. And I said, let's turn this into a tech hub. And as part of that process, let's try to find the way to, Get fiber to it to give internet to as many people in the town as we possibly can, um, especially during the pandemic. Right when I mean, no matter how hard we worked, we weren't not, not going to get this building done. You know, in any short period of time. It's fifteen thousand square feet for goodness sake. So um, believe
0: me, I know what you're talking about. I have a seven <laughs> by seven bathroom that I just I can't finish. So
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all relative, man. It's all relative. But but really, you know that that was the the kind of the inspiration for me. And as I was redoing this building or starting the process of doing it myself, um, all the kids in the neighborhood would come by and they said, Yo, yeah, well, we want this opportunity. We wanted to make a difference in the world, but we need technology. We need access to do it. And that's what's kind of driven me the last 12, 18 months uh, to, to try to do something special, something unique. You know, it's much different than what Deborah and Travis are doing. You know, my long term aspirations is not to build an ISP. But a new model for how ISPs can be n- a nonprofit entity that serves the need of yeah, startups and entrepreneurs in rural America, but also and in step with that, providing internet to the people who are surrounding the, the premise of such an institution. So so
0: Okay, so you bought an opera house and <laughs> and then you're trying to figure out how to get fiber to it. Uh, That's right.
3: Wh- wh- what does that look like? Well, you make a lot of phone calls. Uh, that's the first thing uh, you do. And you get a lot of nose, you know, I don't know what Travis and Deborah's stories are. I'm really looking forward to hearing them, but obviously, um, you know, when you're a farmer, uh, you gotta work a little harder. And that's what I think that's what makes me so passionate about this is I, I love the competitive nature of building something from the ground up because, you know, there's only one way it can go and that's in the forward direction. Right? So, uh, eventually we got we got the, the contract with um, uh, ifN which is now Zeo uh, got a good deal struck with them I think they see the vision so I'm thankful for the partnership uh, that they've given us um, it's not free but it's it's pretty darn good and uh, and then we waited right so right now there's a big backlog and thankfully I started the process I kind of saw the pandemic coming and what the implications were going to be so I tried to get the contract signed as soon as possible and they were really responsive in getting that fiber run. Um, it wasn't that far, uh, only about maybe three, 400 yards is all they had to go. Um, but it, it took, uh, it took some work. So I think partnerships is the key to doing anything. And with this, I'm so thankful for all they've done.
0: So, Deb, I think this is a a good moment then to note that in uh, one of the things Neil could have done while he was uh, working with IFN would have been to call you to say, hey, I hear that you try to help out people like me. What do you do?
1: Yeah, um, you know, a lot of Neil's story like definitely resonated with me. Althea is a platform for distributed and community networks um, that really started with a similar type of story, right? You know, you have a rural area. How do you utilize um, and leverage uh, real estate and assets that you have within a community? Um, and then, you know, uh, that's kind of where, where we started. And, and, um, a lot of what we've been developing over the last couple of years is support for folks like, like, like Neil. one of the things we realized was when we first started, it was a little more like a franchise. People were kind of on their own to build their own networks. And, um, that wasn't, that wasn't super successful. People really struggled with the planning difficulty in getting the backhaul or they'd get backhaul. that was overpriced because there's a bargaining process, um, So what we've been building over the last, I would say, probably year and a half or so is more of what is a network operations center that supports folks looks like, right? Like, what is that, you know, uh, planning component, you know, perhaps even installation and advertising and all those, um, you know, support. It's it's a bit like it's, it's much easier to, you know, drive a car for Uber than it is necessarily to do the lift of like running a taxi company. Right. So we wanted to find a good balance between local governance and support um, and then having that, you know, sort of nationwide support. It also helps when we can broker, you know, one deal with a larger tower co-company or, you know, um, Provide that insurance layer or whatever that is that can that can come in and support smaller operators while still allowing them to have that governance and autonomy um, and uh, and but not have to reinvent the wheel every single time. I mean we've all been through that first year of, of making mistakes and doing things wrong and uh, said the words we're never doing that again. <laughs> so if we can spare folks from those moments, all the better. That's what, what we do three like,
0: have I mean, my big problems were generally like trying to figure out inputs and outputs from a soundboard. So slightly different challenges.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that you still have that moment, right? Where you're like, I'm never doing that again.
0: <laughs> Travis, what questions do you have? Go ahead and, uh, and start pinging away based on right. um, your experience now, 26 years after having gone through this.
2: So Neil, I'm just, I'm struck. With, you guys had an opera house in a 600 person town. That's kind of cool.
3: Or no, well, it's it's the it's debunked. It's like so. In 1947, they turned it into a grain storage facility. Okay. So, so. they totally ruined it. Um, yeah, I've been working in there for about two years of my spare time, and I've got five guys working there full time now. So wow, but it's a pretty big project. So is
2: is your vision then? So so you've got you've got fiber into the opera house. Yep. And then is is your vision then to continue deploying fiber in your community? Is your vision to do a wireless deployment? What, what what are
3: you thinking? Yeah, so we we're kind of geared up to do both. So I partnered with Radwin. I actually reached out to Radwin CEO and said, "Hey, I've got this this project I'm doing." And he was he actually responded within five minutes. Um, so uh, hats off to him. Um, so we actually ended up uh, purchasing quite a bit of Radwin equipment to be able to transmit wirelessly off the roof. Again, the building's about 50 feet tall, so it'll help us service about a third of the town, um, just from that roof vantage point alone, um, which is a good start, right? And then um, kind of my approach is to give priority to the public spaces. So the libraries, the local churches, the places where people can convene and come together um, is going to get kind of the first access to that rooftop um, transmission portal, um, and Can then. Was
0: your first? Yeah. Did you just reach out to the Radwin CEO on LinkedIn.
3: Uh, I think I sent him an email. Yeah.
0: You just looked up his email address on like a on, on their website, or? I think
3: so. I, think so. I, I forget how I found it, but I just yeah, I found
0: it. I'm, he's not like your he's not like your dad's old drinking buddy or anything like that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, no. He's all the way over in Israel and uh,
0: yeah, you know make it more difficult. Yeah,
3: we're in Indiana, <laughs> now, and, uh, you're, so and you're, you're in Indiana, right? Yes, we are
0: near Elkhart. Yeah. Is that right?
3: Uh, near Lafayette, so it's all oh, right, yeah.
2: right. You know.
3: nice. Okay,
2: but well, so, so wireless to the public spaces, and then are yep. you thinking of doing residential then as well? Or,
3: yeah, so uh, I don't know if all your listeners know what time of year it is, but on the farm, it's harvest season yeah. and rain today, so. I can hang out with you guys and it's, it's, it's cool. But um, the last month I've been driving the semi back and forth, hauling grain and I got kind of bored one day. So I actually bought a cell phone tower on eBay in green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm going to go pick that up tomorrow or, or Wednesday, I guess I should say. So we're going to have like an 80, 90 foot tower as well. That will help us kind of extend out that network past the, uh, you know, a yep. little bit above the tree line and um we're you now we're kind of building the uh a room in the opera house per se to be able to accommodate um conduit out to the town in the future if they want to work with us and collaborate on such a partnership if that becomes desirable so um i've nice. about two gigabits of data coming in i, I bought plenty um because again i want kids in 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 my village Um, again my vision for this project is is to make this the tech hub and tech capital uh for startups that all real america can follow and one of the biggest things that frustrates me is when people say well you know they have enough that'll get them through these these kids deserve nothing but the best user experience possible and you know we're gonna do our best to give it to them so
0: and let me ask Deb: the how does this compare to some of the other groups? that, that you're working with, like uh, the folks in Enfield, North Carolina or or elsewhere. I mean, Enfield, North Carolina always comes to mind cause I know that they're involved with the internet society, so. But yeah, um, how I common think- is it to just like, you know, grab a, a truck and go to Green Bay to pick up a cell tower?
1: Well, those are the communities we hear about. I mean, these these sort of like the, the, the ubiquitous thing across all successful networks is broadband champion, right? So I think um, one of the things that I've really been trying to like look at how do we iterate is when that town doesn't, right? Or when they're unincorporated or when there isn't any organization to, you know, either funnel and grant money or there isn't someone to email a CEO from Radwin, right? Like, but um, when, a, um, when a community has that champion, someone to speak out for them to will it into existence, then we see these kinds of amazing things happen, right? Communities can come together. Um, I think what's also exciting, I, I think, Neil, you had mentioned, um, you know, uh, having a more community governance structure, many of our networks are, are, are structured as um, cooperatives, right. Um, but one of the things that we see in a lot of rural areas is like either cooperatives, shared water, shared wells, shared different districts are um, modeled as an actual governmental district. And that provides a formation that other communities can then follow. So what I'm really hoping is as we start to look at broadband infrastructure in rural, as that money starts coming out, that we, we come up with a, with a, um, a few different models that rural places can, can follow. So it doesn't have to take that champion, that hero in each community, um, that we're seeing now are successful, that there is some just formations that, you know, folks can do on, on a, uh on a regular basis and they can follow it. so um yeah
3: yeah great 100
0: um there's a question in the chat about the radwind gear so let's talk about that for a second um is this all point to point gear
3: uh yeah essentially um point to obviously point point to multi-point you know depending on what we're where we're going with it right yep yep but what band are you gonna operate in do you know Five point eight. Yeah, we just got the the uh, kind of the the more standard stuff. Um, Although near near uh, line of sight, then yeah. Yeah, although you know, again, since I'm doing this as a nonprofit um, and setting this up kind of as a as an incubator, uh, we're going to be receiving some of their newer equipment as it becomes available, and and testing it and demonstrating it and letting the kids actually get their hands on it and understand how it works. So there will be an educational component as well, long term, and that may lead to more adoption, uh, based on what the the customers wants. Um,
2: are, are you a technology guy, Neil, or not?
3: Um, kind of.
2: Um, I like
0: the or not qu- part of that. It's really confrontational. Like
1: very I find
3: it fascinating
2: that you know he's just doing it. You know how many people talk about doing it, and you're just
3: doing it. So I, I, I you know, so I was really fortunate at Purdue. I got to. Um, out the head football coach as his manager for four years and so i really applied the same mentality that the sports teams did to just execution you know everybody can talk a big talk but when it comes down to play that game i mean talk means nothing right so um yeah i'm into technology um i've always been passionate about it Uh, our farms put out around 40 or 50 global patents over the last 20-ish years um, only seven of those are mine. Um, another, only, yeah. I
0: like that <laughs> modesty.
3: <laughs> well, it's, yeah. It's, so, you know, we invented the a, a big combine it's called the Tribine. Um, it's really carbon, uh, focused because we can actually plant a cover crop as we're harvesting, uh, the, uh, you know, the crop that's standing in the field per se. Um, it was really cool. I got to, uh, speak with Bernie Sanders a few weeks Ago, back in August, he uh, invited me to speak with him at Purdue and talk about some of the things I'm doing with my projects. Um, we've had Mike Pence visit our farm once or twice. So I tell people, you know, technology is great. Agriculture is great. But just being able to have conversations and understand that, hey, we all got to work together, right, to get anything done. But if you are willing to do that, it's crazy the people who will give you a chance to, to share what you're working on and they'll listen So I've been really blessed to have that opportunity. And again, from my point of view, it's the kids and the the families in these small towns. They don't have those connections. They don't have those resources. They don't have those phone numbers or that gumption to maybe go out there and try something because they're just trying to survive, right? So um, to me, this is is my form of, uh, this is what I do in the evenings because when you get eight-year-old kids who bring you cookies and milk, and berries after you've worked outside all day on this project, Um, it just makes you want to work even harder. So,
1: Well, I've definitely got a few like, um, (laughs) pints of whiskey in my day too, as well. So. um.
3: (laughs) That would be good too, yes. Don't get me wrong.
0: So. I'm curious, Neil, when you start working on this, um, in a small town, are they, there people, are they like, oh, there's, there's Neil again, like our own, our own local Doc Brown, like. (laughs) screwing around or are they like you know are they really excited by it like because i feel like people you know who are listening to this and thinking about doing their own thing might be thinking oh but like neil's this crazy wizard guy who can figure out all this stuff
3: i got i got held back in second grade everybody i'm no genius all right (laughs) i'm just incredibly stubborn and i i don't give up and i'll be honest like everybody thought i was crazy they may still for the first two years i was working on this but the glorious part is I only paid $300 for the building. All right. So if you look at the economics, like we're winning, like we're way winning. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of folks that don't understand. My parents, they think I'm totally insane. Um, they're like my dad actually offered to buy me an excavator to tear the building down with. Okay. So that (laughs) tells you the, like the generational views and, and the perspectives. Um, but I think the folks that, that want opportunity, like those eight-year-old kids that I talk about all the time, and uh, you know, we partner with the school systems and the community. They see the, the, the future. Um, I partner with some, some tech hubs across the U.S. and Europe. Um, GoDaddy's been very supportive. We've got a lot of big brands coming on board. Purdue, obviously. Roberto has been incredibly supportive.
0: Roberto Gallardo a professor there who does great work in this space.
3: So, so Deborah and, and Travis, I think just like all of you um, and anybody who's ever been through the startup process, you know, it's incredibly lonely and you just got to put your head down and, and not really listen to what people say, whether it's good or bad, because at the end of the day, unless you execute on that vision and bring the right people to the table, it's never going to be successful. So that's kind of what I do is I just focus on the, the vision and I, I'll do whatever it takes to get the right people involved and, You know, I think in 50 years, hopefully people will look back and say, Hey, they won't think about this for the internet per se, but they'll think about the implications that came from, from that infrastructure kind of being deployed.
0: So let me throw out a question for Travis and Deb um, first, which is, I feel like to some extent, if I was to say, well, this isn't that hard, right? Like all these pieces of gear, they have, they have input, they have outputs we know what cords plug into what like like how hard could it be like you know it's it's 2021 like you know you've got some documentation you got to read like that's kind of a pain but like yeah it seems like y'all just you put the right cords in the right direction and more or less it runs itself right
1: there's a tremendous amount of project management that that uh uh and and leadership that comes with it um i think you know neil hit the the nail on the head there you gotta you know basically um show up and put in the work um and there is a Period of time. I think Neil was even mentioning it, a couple of years, right? But there's a period of time between idea and any kind of shovel in the ground, and this is where a lot of people become demoralized, right? Because once you shovel's in the ground and people are building networks, or um, and then and some people are, are are pitching in and there's some antennas and, and the things happen like that is that's a pretty easy process. That there's a lot of feedback loop, but between idea and shovel in the dirt is um, can be a long. Lonely process where you really have to you really have to have that faith. Um, so, uh, but I think once, once that shovel happens, uh, once things start to go up, you really do get a lot of community involvement, things start to roll.
0: And Travis, is it, is it as easy as I as I overstate?
2: Well, Chris, I'm just trying to figure out how I get to come out and drive Neil's Combine. That's what I'm trying to figure uh, out. Tribine? Isn't yeah, that, that's, isn't that's some,
1: that's I've some. heard that my my folks, from my partners from Illinois say that nobody can be unhappy driving a Combine. like this how, is. How,
2: how, how fun would that be? Oh, schlepping one of these networks together? You know what it is? It's a lot of trial and error. And um, I would say that the the hardware and the software platforms are better, substantially better today than they were when we first started. But I think the fundamental thing here isn't necessarily the technology or any of the bits and bytes or cords. It's it's the gumption to actually do it. And, um, you know, roll up your sleeves and instead of watching TV at night (laughs) or, you know, whatever, people do at night because I always work, but, you know, whatever normal folks do. Uh, you text
0: me, you're not working. Well, I,
2: I, I'm trying to make sure that my uh, my bet and chicken wings are in line. So, you know, I, I, just, I think you just get out there and do it, you know, and, you know, there is a financial component to it as you grow that you have to make sure that you don't kind of out you know, outrun your, your financial ability. So, you know, what we did is we would work a normal job eight to five Monday through Friday then nights and weekends, we would work on our network to get ahead. And after you do that for a while, you know, it's amazing how much progress you can make in a relatively short amount
0: of time. No, what, what Sorry, go ahead, Deb.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I do think that people underestimate the amount of time in that early stages. I mean, you really need to be putting in 20 hours a week or more, um, during the planning stages and then certainly, you know, trying to find another 20 to 40 hours a week, um, if not more. And if you want to have accelerated growth, you're looking at 40 to 80. I mean, um, you know, I I think people definitely- It's like Neil's agreeing with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They they definitely think, you know, they can do it a few hours or on the weekend once in a while and and, and think that they'll, you know, be able to sort of, you know, make these things happen, but um, they just, they don't, it takes time.
3: Neil, Uh, is
0: one of your sponsors NoDo's? (laughs)
3: <laughs> hey let's see if we can't get them yeah we need we need some of that I like, what,
2: I like what curtis said in the chat he's he's very true you know if you have a passion you know you, you can make it happen yeah exactly yeah 100 percent correct
0: no, Neil, what were some of those early costs then? And I mean, like, are you sitting here just being like, yeah, I'm used to like throwing my money down some of these pipe drains. So it wasn't as big of a deal. But like, what were some of the costs that you faced? And, and was there a point at which you were like, oh, am I really going to do this? Like, am I going to, am I committed to this?
3: Yeah, I'm committed now. Don't worry, guys, everybody. It's, it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I I So I basically initially um, committed to just do it, right? Um, and then I went down to an event and took some of my kids, I say my kids, the kids from the community who are kind of behind this project. And we met with the governor of Indiana at an event and got him to kind of hear their stories and everything, uh, which was really cool of him to take time to do that. And so I committed to doing this project two years ago and, um, I don't know how much money I put in on this at this point on my own. I don't even look at this point, um, but essentially I was able to get some CARES Act funding um, to help actually implement this in a bigger way. Um, but I think what helped us get that was the fact that I already had all the contracts signed for everything and I was committed no matter what. So essentially I rolled the dice and said, Hey, we're going to go big, you know, quote unquote, big for a town of 600 people, nothing compared to what Deborah and Travis are, are doing, obviously." But for me, it's you know,
1: 2000 I started in a town of 2000. I thought it was pretty small, but yes, you, you do get the, the, the larger, the larger, small town cred.
3: Yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. Right. You get it. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we'll be two or $300,000 invested by the end of this year. And, um, and, and, and just the kind of the infrastructure for the network project, um, you know, the opera house tech hub accelerator, Whatever, well, it'll be well over a million dollar project when we get done with it. Um, so, yeah. You know, if anybody wants to give us some money, I am happy to what take. Was, it.
0: Like, did you did you order like four radios from Radwin on on your credit card and get some miles for it, or you know like, how
3: did that work? Well, I wish I could one? do that. No, I <laughs> that was with checks. And so, I actually ordered sixty radios, sixty um, home radios, and I ordered um, maybe five or ten high capacity ones. So, in that. To the 400 megabit range, when it boils down to actually, you know, what it's going to like do in real life, um, and uh, yeah, so I we have quite a bit of equipment to get started, and that that's good. So,
0: and have you have you been able to turn anyone on then?
3: Yeah, so I've got five or ten um, people turned on so far. Uh, it's really funny. Um, so there's the opera house, and right next to it's another building that touches it. And there are a couple kids that live in there with their dad. And he's one of the kids is a, is a boy, he's, I think seventh, eighth grade. And he's in the gaming. And the first couple of weeks before we had anybody else turned on, I basically just ran a fiber optic line straight to his computer. And he literally had like eight to 900 megabyte connection. And he literally brought all of his friends over and was bragging about how, you know, Hey, I've got this great connection. You know, to me, that's the most, meaningful moment right because you're that first customer with any any project or any startup you know customer experience is paramount to to keeping that momentum going and i feel like we accomplished that with him um in, in a pretty big way so that that was special <laughs> all right there
1: and then it, real quick, um, that reminds me. We, uh, I feel like we were in the the streets of like Medellin, Colombia. And we built a little network there, and the kids were running up with our YouTube streams on their phone. It's like that's the speed test in uh, yep. in, in yep. the in the world. Is like, let me show you how fast I can stream a YouTube uh, video or play a game.
0: Yeah, Deb's all like, my town is two thousand people, but I operate on three continents. Is it three or is it four or five <laughs> now, Deb?
1: Just, just, just the three. Yeah. yeah.
3: Just the three. Just the three. <laughs>
1: Oh, Puerto Rico, where we should be rolling out with in about a month or two. So I um, is that a separate place? Continent? Um, I think
0: there have to be a lot of volcanic activity before it's considered a continent.
1: <laughs> 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 all right. All right.
0: Fine. Um, we have a great question from Rai. Rai ordinarily is uh, is uh, behind the scenes helping to orchestrate this. But um, he's joining us today as a civilian and he's asking. Um, uh, you mentioned the CARES Act funding. Uh, are you getting sure. some support from local government?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody's supportive, okay, but just like anything else, there's support and then there's them giving you a check to actually grow it and scale it, right? So everybody like loves to come and see the progress and uh, be part of it, um, But and, and maybe that's my fault. I haven't really asked for money. I think being an entrepreneur and a farmer, I'm like the last person asking anybody for money. Like, if you want to help me, okay, great, write me a check, but I'm not going to come out there and beg for money. Um, we'll just do it ourselves if we have to, right? So, um, yes, everybody's been very supportive. And I think that as we grow and show some progress, there will be opportunities for more um, kind of collaborative partnerships uh, to to develop and evolve. But we got to do the hard work, right? We've got to show value. We got to show some ROI before they, um, you know, kind of do any more. Uh, So I think uh, they've been incredibly kind and, and understanding and they've They've honestly kind of given me the latitude just to do what I want to do um, in, in respect to building this out um, uh, the way kind of we see the most productive. So um, I'm, I'm thankful for everybody who's lives in our community because at the end of the day, it takes everybody working together. And, you know, if I go out and get hit by a bus tomorrow or something happens to me, we need to make sure that there's the, the momentum and the energy to keep this going because – you know, for the young people in rural America, the the internet is really a gateway to the, to realize their potential and to compete uh, with the best and the brightest all over the world. And I want to make sure that happens. So,
0: Travis, I,
2: I I just I'm I'm finally happy to meet a couple of people that are actually doing it instead of talking <laughs> about it. So that's all. I I just can't stop thinking about that. Is
0: that's you know, all we have on the show. We have people on and doing stuff. We're trying to avoid but not people that are. on the
2: show, in other in other areas, I you know just just talk, 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 and never never hook up a single customer. So I'm just happy to finally talk to some you know, this week, I should say, for people that uh, uh, are actually out there doing it.
1: My um, just to echo Neil's kind of statement too is is. Um, that I I don't think that government support should be a contingency or uh, (laughs) a dependency to to build out. Um, Typically they'll come on board after you start building out. Um, We also, I mean, I think that rural areas are uniquely suited for community networks. I mean, um, farmers know how to allocate resources and capex to build things. you know, we understand cooperatives and, and working together. Um, there is no, uh, usually, usually there isn't any of those sort of benevolent other force. Communities just sort of take care of themselves. Um, so I think uh, we, we've we always felt like we, you know, resonated very well with that approach in rural places.
0: Yeah, but I have to think that there's also a challenge in that, um I don't know, human nature, you run into people who are kingdom builders, right? And and they're sort of like, oh, you got to do it my way. You got to, you know, um, fill out this form or you have to, you know, you're not allowed to, to build in this way over here. You ever run into that, Deb, with any of the the projects that you're involved with?
1: Um... Yeah. I mean, I mean, typically this is why we, we, we try to bring in some of those folks later on in the process, right. Where, um, you know, you, 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 don't necessarily need that uh, support. Um, especially, I mean, we focus very similar to Neil on more of a distributed type of architecture that uses things in the community. Um, right. So that we don't have to uh, conform necessarily to so much of the right of way uh, constraints and things like that. And, um, you know, set, set ways. Um, I, I know that uh. Um, we, uh, we've had folks just, you know, the 5g thing, right? So anytime you do fixed wireless, sometimes you have some issues there with that. And we have some educational pieces that you have to do around that. But,
0: um, You mean because people oppose it, they're scared of it.
1: There's just, yeah, there's just a sort of a, a an understanding. I mean, even installing um, a, a router that's hooked up to fiber when you say, well, what would be like your wifi for your five gigahertz, you know, uh, your 5g network. Right. They, they there's a misunderstanding of what that is. Um, so some of that in Oregon actually has a few towns that have like very significantly opposed telco, uh, um, construction by the big guys. Um, when Facebook was putting in a submarine cable, there was a lot of, um, uh, nature cause the community was not, you know, part of the community. So that approach of, of how you build and who you build with and having community support is very important so that you don't run into the, you know, the issues with the kingdom builder. And most often that's because they're feeling like some sort of corporate presence is coming over the top of them.
0: Well, I appreciate that long answer, Deb, because I was struggling with a little Comcast connectivity there and I'm glad I didn't have to speak up in the (laughs) middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having some issues today. Um, Neil, and I'm, I'm curious, do you have um, no shortage of grain silos? Like uh, one of the challenges <laughs> that I always worry about with with line of sight in those sorts of technologies is that we want to make sure that 100% of people in a community can take service. And with wireless, I worry that absent a provider that's going to go through extraordinary steps, uh, 20% of people will be on the wrong side of a hill or, mm-hmm. or, or inconveniently located. So um, how are you dealing with that?
3: Yeah, well, the first thing I want to acknowledge is I'm not the only game to solve this problem. I'm not the only person, and there are lots of great partners. So I've actually worked with the existing ISPs, and I said, hey, I'm going to do this in my little geographic territory. It's going to be really effective, but we don't need to forget about you. We need to make sure we promote your services as well, because this has got to be a community coalition that comes together. So that includes TDS, which is obviously the the big player, um, the big corporate player per se in the area.
0: Yeah, Fortune 500 company. They're quite yeah. large, They're out of Illinois. Pretty,
3: pretty substantial. Right. have um, got uh, great collaborations uh, going with T-Mobile. They've been very supportive. Their their infrastructure. Um, I think we're going to do some special stuff together. I, I think that's going to be a really amazing opportunity as we keep flushing that out. And then there's some existing, um, you know, wisps in the vicinity. Uh, two or three that have been around for 10, 15 years. Um, so, yeah, we're going to try to say, hey, let's let's form a coalition where we can help people, first of all, understand what the service offerings are where they live and strategically grow out those offerings to maximize their, their experience as we progress with this. So, you know, one of the reasons I'm putting the tower up is to be able to hit grain legs and silos and elevators to be able to extend that network out. Um, past, um, you know, just the building per se. And then another program I'm going to be announcing in probably January or February is I'll actually purchase TV towers for some people within the town of Camden um, to be able to, again, bounce that signal more effectively, you know, off my my building or my tower to, to dead spots in that town, you know. And the thought process that I have is, you know, as we um, help fill these voids, we may not necessarily gain a thousand customers, but we're going to hopefully improve the data experience for those customers on those existing service providers as well, because we're going to free up resources, right? We're going to free up some of that bandwidth and hopefully they won't have to stretch it, you know, razor thin, Um
0: You just say these things, so matter-of-factly, like I just call the people that own the the TV towers and things like that. Like when I drive by the TV towers, it doesn't have a sign that says, do you want to put your, you know, if you lived here, you'd be home by now. Here, call this number. Like um, how do you, how do you figure out who to contact in those situations?
3: I mean, I I think again, that's just, you know, so when I graduated from Purdue, all right, I I rented an apartment on the campus and filled with whiteboards and I went out and found 20 interns. So I just put up signs, right? So, hey, free pizza, free beer. If you're over 21, of course, right? Um, but
0: Yes, definitely. That's how it works on Big Ten campuses.
3: Yeah, yeah. Boiler up, right? That's what we say at Purdue. Um, <laughs> but you just kind of get used to people telling, you know, how to work with people, right? And again, you make a value proposition where it helps them. It helps the community. Um, and what I found is a lot of people want impactful change. You just have to be willing to go out there and do it, right? And, but, and but
0: those people don't own the towers, right? I mean like well, it's got to be a different conversation.
3: Well, so so they're all my friends. They're all my neighbors. We farm, you know, together. Uh you know, we all hang out and uh, and, and usually get along pretty well. So they yeah. want the internet too. They want a good experience. And many of their kids are 20 or 30 years old as well and coming back to the farm and they have maybe side jobs or they have other aspirations besides just farming. Uh, so you know, they want to be able to watch movies at night and, and be part of society so um, yeah everybody wants it um, and I think again when you're kind of one of the people per se one of them you're not some corporate person coming in um, I think there's a level of trust and there's a level of expectation that you're gonna truly follow through and make it worth their while so they'll give you that that chance um, which I you know that's that's, that's awesome.
1: So, a, a county commissioner in a, in a big hat um, once told me there are two types of folks, those that are from here and those that ain't. Um, <laughs> and I think this is actually true in urban areas too, right? So if you are part and working with the community, there's a different response that you're gonna get than if you are from outside.
3: Yep, exactly. So, you know, I can bring the big guys in. I have a lot of my friends work at big tech companies. Um, I won't name them, but the the ones in the news right now for so many different reasons. Right. Um, And I think, again, being a kind of a mediator, um, both on the political front and the business front, you know, is so hard to do um, in some senses. And it's hard for people to be able to synthesize everything because we're being thrown so much stuff right now on on all across the spectrum. Right. So, you know, I'm I guess I'm lucky. I have a lot of really cool friends who who care about my projects and my vision. Um, so the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about just kind of working as hard as I can to make sure we can bring as many people together uh, to realize what all this technology can do, you know, for our communities. So.
0: Go ahead, then.
1: I have a really quick statement I want to say because I've – Talk to thousands of people who want to do exactly what Neil does, but maybe don't have Neil's skill set. So what I often find is actually, you know, Neil's kind of this amazing combination of both technical <laughs> prowess and also social skills. Um, but oftentimes, dynamic duos work very well because um, we do have we have a lot of folks come to Althea saying like, look, how do we build a community network? How do we get this started? We really want this for our community, but don't have one or the other. Um, so uh, my Uh, If you're listening to this and you're inspired by Neil, but maybe you're a little heavily weighted, I I would um, uh, definitely find your Neil. (laughs) Yes, find a partner in crime, right? Like you know, there's there's a Batman and a Robin, right? That's why there's two of them.
0: This one other thing I think that's related to that. That's a a really great observation, Deb. Um, Travis, I'm curious. Like, do you ever buy anything and just break it because you're curious how it works? Like, I, I think people just need to be less afraid of breaking stuff i'm I'm guessing neil broke a lot of things and travis i'm guessing you've broken a lot of things too as you're yeah or
2: or when you try to figure it out you buy one of every manufacturer's product and try it (laughs) and see which one is the best you know it's um i guess my theory always has been buy cheap buy twice so i'm not looking for the cheapest solution i'm looking for the solution that works so we can spend time deploy it You know, I'm actually pretty impressed that Neil went right to Radwin, you know, more of a high-end product line than a lot of people go for the actual cheapest stuff they can find. And then you end up getting very, you get in a tough spot because it doesn't doesn't work well. You have a lot of problems. You're chasing your tail. And, um, no, I I think, Neil, you got a recipe for success there. But I also think that he touched on something that's very key is he's able to tear a lot of bridges, you know, or a lot of barriers down because he's from the area. You know, if you know the people to talk to, you you can make things happen. If you're just standing there without any connections, it's real tough.
3: Well,
0: it's also easier to tear things down if your parents are willing to buy you an excavator. That's one thing I'm <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Neil, I, I'm curious. Yeah, rural, ahead,
1: rural people have excavators, though. Like, that's not an uncommon. I know. Thing. It's like here's my I know here's my spider.
0: Yeah. No, I I was really impressed when my uh my father-in-law had a uh had a John Deere um um you know uh um a bulldozer and and then i find out yeah it's pretty common so <laughs> <laughs> well we don't um, I, city though chris so that's why by the cool. by the way I'll, I'll say that i did know that i was doing well with his um with him when he let me drive it near the house uh <laughs> it's one thing out in the field it's another thing near the house so um but you know what i'm curious about is when you're driving um you know the load of corn in the truck and mm-hmm. and you get a text of the networks down or something like that um mm-hmm. that's the part that i feel like also like people really struggle with in these early periods because you're trying to run you know, your, your normal life and then the side hustle is like you need your yeah. time, but you're you know on a road somewhere with a load of corn.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that's where it can, kind of goes that back to the mission for me. Um, again, starting in January, we're going to have an intern program where we teach kids and members of the community how to maintain this stuff and keep it up. So uh, it's not really going to be for a whole lot of pay, but more just experience for them. Uh, so yeah, that that's that's obviously an implication that uh, you know, at some point we may have to hire somebody to help us with that. But my my goal is to make this really a volunteer slash um, education uh, backed network, um, at least in the ink you know incubation stage that we're in right now. So yeah, I, I, I but you know like Deborah has done and Travis has done, you just make it work. You know, if it goes down, you fix it until right. you can afford to pay somebody if that's what it comes to. Right well, careful,
2: so. careful who you sign up right away though, because there'll be those people that if they're down,
3: <laughs> oh,
2: man, do they get pissed.
3: So, well, so that's, yeah. that's the other thing I'm doing. So I, I, I hired Ice Miller to, it's a big law firm in Indiana. And I've done work with, them with my patents and stuff before. So uh, <clears throat> a lady named Lindsay Miller, Um, I don't know if anybody's heard of her, but she's a rock star in the legal world for networks. And we're actually creating a really unique contract, okay, where we're not going to promise them anything initially, Um, probably similar to what SpaceX is doing. If it works, great. If it doesn't, okay, we're going to try our best to make a good user experience, obviously. Um, But the objective of this, first and foremost, is education and, you know, fostering entrepreneurship and innovation. At some point, we may convert those into uh, more traditional contracts, Um, but I think, like, yeah, Travis, that's a great point, and that's something I've really been keen on is we've got to make sure we protect ourselves from a legal point of view, um, all while showing that we have empathy and care for the customer, right? It's not like we we don't care about them, but uh, making it very clear what the objectives are for the first six or 12 months. Yeah,
0: I feel like... I feel like Travis's point is maybe more about the conversation before the contract is signed even because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to, to give people a contract is another thing for them to yep. understand. Like, like that's where the work comes in. I think.
2: Yep. No, yeah. No, no, no. If they understand that this is a, you know, the way you're structuring, it's one thing, but if, if it's commercial service and you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're paying money, you know, each month yep. for a, a certain SLA, Yeah. You yep. got it. I'm telling you, but when we started 26 years ago, internet was a nicety, but people at that time, if the internet was down, they knew how to go outside or read a book or do something else. Society, we've lost that now. I mean, if we have customers where if we lose a ping, it's like the end of the world. So I'm just just letting you know that it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it will come on very quickly when there's issues. and They'll, they'll forget the contract all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I, I feel like we kind of had a, um, an interesting way of, 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 of tackling that challenge in one of our first networks. Um, you know, we, we did that member owned cooperative and we really structured it as a rights and responsibilities. Uh, contact. Mm-hmm. There's even a, a part of the the membership that really talks about being nice and respectful. Like um, mm-hmm. uh, we actually, you know, uh, precluded someone from being part of our network because they use swear words and things like that. They were disrespectful to our other members, so mm-hmm. we really mm-hmm. made it very clear um, that you are a member, um, you have, you have these rights of this awesome internet, but you have a responsibility to treat everyone respectfully, realize everybody's doing the best job that we did. So that's kind of how we looked at tackling that challenge of, you know, starting up in an area, you know, maybe you don't have quite the right amount of staff or whatever. And we really mm-hmm. just needed a, um, a membership.
3: Yeah, no, I love that. I love that so much
1: you have to be nice contract is what we call it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we do need to get we need to get Chris a, a community network it looks like
2: well did he lock up again i think so i love it <laughs> let me get, let me get a screenshot again <laughs> no, 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 it, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting the um, you know it'll be interesting as you as you bring the first set of customers on and as you bring the next batch on and the next batch on it you know if the technology can hold up if you've got enough redundancy in the network and in the platform you know Mm -hmm. it it should be pretty quiet nights you know I, i would challenge you that that five gigahertz spectrum though you to see how crowded it is out where you're at that's always our biggest problem with wireless networks is everybody's stepping on everybody else which isn't normally a problem until sunday and monday night when everyone's watching you know netflix like crazy and then all of a sudden all channels are busy, and then you've got pretty crabby people you're trying to deal with.
0: One of the things that I, I saw with um, back in the day before I knew Travis, but he was building the Wi-Fi network, was uh, comments from people in Minneapolis who would say Wi-Fi network, but it just it didn't work. And they sent out a technician, and and man, it didn't work. And it's just so frustrating because we really want to support this company, and their customer service was so great, and it just sucks that it didn't work. And I was like. I've never seen so many compliments and so much love for somebody that couldn't deliver a service.
2: <laughs> oh, p- people are absolutely desperate. You know, we, we talked to our banking partners and they're like, well, what, what are your competitors going to do to combat your, your market share? And like, well, what can they do? I mean, pe- people will put up with a lot, not having to deal with the, the large, large incumbents, but saying that, they won't put up with that much anymore, you know. If, if you can't deliver and it doesn't perform, so I'm excited for wireless in the six gig spectrum. You know that 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 I think will be a big boon for for your for the the rural area. Well, uh, no, but
0: I think well, just my point though is actually I think you're, I, Travis, I wouldn't disagree with anything you said, but like for me, people sense when. There is someone trying to do an honest thing for them, right? Like when they're they're trying to get it done. And there's an authenticity to that. And I think that's a key is that people are like, even though this thing didn't work, I really appreciate how hard this person worked at it. And I could tell yeah. that they're they're in it, you know.
2: Well, they they do to a certain extent though, but imagine your water wasn't working and, and the and the person came out and tried, 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 tried to get it going again. At some point, your water's not working. Right. (laughs) So, yes, they're there. And I'm saying that that rope is getting shorter and shorter and shorter as time goes on here because. I'm telling you, people, they they just rely on this internet is like crap to people now. They just won't get off the thing.
1: Well, you have to for work, right? I mean, if, you, if you're not able to access that, and this is what we find too, and even in urban areas, right? You know, uh, there's the affordability question, but people are going without meals just so they can have internet, right? Because it's so essential. You can't get to work. You can't look at your schedule. You can't do online banking, um, whatever that is, I mean. Um, so I, I agree. I think it's, it's much more than just a luxury anymore.
2: Even though, Deb, I agree with you to a certain extent, but 82% of our traffic is streaming media. So there, there might be a little work sprinkled in there, but I, no,
0: no, 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 Sorry, Neil. I know you want to get in with this, but Travis, you're looking at the wrong metric because, <laughs> because like, yeah, like me, if media is like huge. And so there's a tremendous amount of it That's that tough. goes on. Oh, no, no. I I, mean, I, 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 this goes into the sort of thing. Like, like, I mean, I sure I stream like tons of stuff in the background, but like what I really is care is. about is, is stuff that gets lost in the, in the details. But
2: are you working Chris?
1: He, they're watching, connect this with Charles.
0: Oh, they're watching I mean, there's a lot of times where I'm sitting here and like I'm doing something important and I have the Tour de France streaming in the background. If you're just looking at like the bit rate as to like what's chewing up all of the data, that's one thing. But what what really matters, like if Comcast was like, hey, you can't do the Tour de France anymore, I'd be like, oh well, you know that sucks but i'll get on (laughs) you know like i'll keep working (laughs) and similar like i pay comcast extra to have like a big upstream and like yeah like if you look at my how i use my internet connection it's mostly like downloading video um you know one kind or another for me or someone in my family but like we're not paying comcast extra money for that it just happens that we just happen to use it for that
2: hey you're not getting your money's worth today just so you know
0: yeah, no, actually, you know, I think it might be the browser. I think it might be literally user error on my part. So, um, Neil, you were going to jump in a minute ago, though. Um, what were you going to say?
3: No, I think the conversation is excellent. You, you all are veterans, and I feel like the, I mean, kindergarten again. So, um, but one of the models I'm looking to deploy in my village, I call the village, um, is if we can hit your house and you have kids in school, we're not going to charge you for internet okay you'll have to buy the equipment if we don't have enough to give out for free um, but we're not going to turn anybody away and i think that's a really important thing because one of the biggest challenges i see with the current way things are set up and you all are much more experienced than i am in that is there are all these programs right and all these quote unquote incentives and um, uh, services that qualify for free funding but these parents and families who are working one or two jobs, um, single moms working crazy hours to support their their families, right? They don't have time to go research how to apply for these programs. So I think one of my objectives through this project is to set a precedent, say, hey, we're going to make it super easy. Um, We're going to help educate folks on the programs and initiatives that the government's offering, Um, but we've got to use all of our resources to make it accessible because people don't have the time or the resources to figure that out on their own. Um, you know, so that, that's what gives me the most joy about what I'm building. Again, I'm only going to have a couple hundred households in my town, but we're going to hope hopefully get them all connected. Right. So. hmm
0: you know. Deb, you had a reaction when um, Neil was saying about um, having them purchase their own gear and, and giving them the free connection. What was your reaction?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is essentially what we've standardized as a model. We have a always-on free tier for folks, um, and, and I do believe that in every community there will be some folks—a percentage. I mean, what we're finding is somewhere between you know around five percent um, that just need always-on free internet, um, and we make that configurable. Um, and then, and then they own the equipment. I mean, and a lot of times we do, you know, have, have programs that that's given for free. Um, but I think that there is, and in, to your point, you know, I think there is a sustainable model that we can demonstrate here that some portion of the community can have always on free internet and never pay. And that mm-hmm. the community itself has um, paying customers that then make a sustainable network. Um, so we're hoping to do that in, in um, you know, and show that in a greater way in San Diego as well.
0: Let me let me ask about that because how does this work in terms of Althea? Like, is Althea like something where I'm like, hey, you offer ten services and I'd like to take three of them, but now I don't want to do this always-on thing. Like, how, how exactly do do your clients interface with the various things? Um,
1: I didn't catch the last thing where you said, but I'll just talk about Althea. Um, <laughs> so essentially, Althea is a platform for distributed <coughs> networks that you know um, sets up routing and billing so that people that give infrastructure or provide bandwidth to the network can get paid automatically and the network service operator can get paid as well. Um, Those are all kind of decoupled and separate entities. Um, And then basically that local network service operator, whether that's the co-op or a private entity, installs that gear um, and is their kind of point of contact. And then it's just always on um, free. And then um, they get a text message if they have a low balance or no balance at all. Um, inviting them to add more funds, um, and then when they add more funds, then they get the full um, speed that their gear can offer. So that could be a gig if it's fiber. It could be, you know, uh, if you know fixed wireless is closer to around 75, 100 megs, something like that. Um, but and then the network traffic just sort of shapes and and uh, over the entire network, so that we can work in you know s- situations where there's you know either limited bandwidth or you have redundancy and failover. One of those those fiber connections can fail over to the other um, but they basically prepay. you just get a text message you pop some money in there um, you use that if you get low you, you know more in or if you run out then it goes down to you know 25 or 50 megs or whatever the free tier is set at
0: if i get a bunch of my neighbors together and we're like we want to do the althea thing are we required to do that like are there things that you have to sign on to in order to be part of althea
1: So people, it's, uh, you know, people can just go to the GitHub links. And if you're technically capable, you can just do all of that and never talk to me. And there's been a few folks that have done that. (laughs) Um, If you want more of the, you know, support of the network operator sensor, Mm -hmm. there's different ways that we can partner together to help you make that a possibility. But, um,
0: yeah. So then the reaction we have uh, from uh, the chat room is interesting. Um, Am I garbled? Is this a problem?
1: You're good right now.
0: Okay, right now quick um <laughs> a, someone who talks about how they have a bunch of loyal um uh, customers has also says that when they tried to do the free service they ended up with 19 free customers and two paid uh, and it didn't work out um so um is that is this a matter of just doing business in the right part of the country with the right people or is it how you set the speeds or do you have a sense of what different variables are at play here
1: yeah i mean i think that one of the one of the big things too is that you you do have to advertise especially if you're not in the community stuff so if you're not neil who knows all his friends and neighbors and you can just get everybody online if you're setting up in an area where you maybe don't have quite as many connections sure everybody's got to want the free service but if they have to pay maybe they're not quite sure so um, we we don't find a lot of success in areas that we roll out into without some sort of advertising campaign. So we've built that into the ROI and how we think about CapEx is the cost to acquire a customer. If it's going to be a sustainable network, it's going to cost some money just to advertise and to showcase that you can be a reliable service provider.
2: Well, Chris, I also think you have kind of a expectation of what the internet provider is going to be. I think Neil's model is he's doing as a community service model more so than, you know, to make payroll and health insurance and pay mortgage payments for employees that work there. So it's, it, it's a different, you know, it's a different model, you know, it's more of a community benefit model. Cause I think it's, it sounds to me, that's an agriculture community. So probably a lot of farmers out there that um, and other folks that are, you know, that just want internet and it's not their primary source of, of, of income.
0: Well, that's where I wonder if some of the federal dollars that are available, you have an electric co-op that serves your area, for instance. I don't know if it's true or not, but they say we're going to bring fiber to everyone in three years. Um, Neil, do you, do you feel like then there's still a role for you? Um, or you know, do you turn to what I'm guessing are several other interests that you have uh, going on <laughs> as well?
3: Yeah, so I, I met with them um, last summer. Actually, they, they flew up a CEO of a company in Florida to meet with me. And uh, what I found is um, I kind of had to go it alone and not because I want to. I'm not this pioneering figure out here who just is just determined to just just work myself to death. That's not the goal. But um, I found that I had to create competition. I had to do it first in order to spur action from them. Um And I think that, you know, with the accessibility of fiber right now and infrastructure and all that, I think, uh, you know, say they do eventually get a fiber rollout, Um, you know, first of all, it's going to be territorial. It's going to be where their customers are at. And the town that I'm actually working in uh, isn't serviced by the electric co-op. It's serviced by Duke, which is a much bigger, obviously, energy company, Um, you know, so, Again, I, I think there's opportunity to partner and provide value long-term. Um, you know, that's kind of why I'm doing this project as as a foundation, because if we can advance the adoption and serve as a test bed, in essence, for new wireless technologies or new fiber technologies, we can help educate the public on how they work and how they maybe don't work for their needs, then we're always going to have a, facilitate a a point of value for the community. Uh, we may not... In five years, provide internet service to everybody that we are initially. Um, but um, you know, once they get internet in their home and want to come to our facility to start a company or you know collaborate with somebody from another country on a, on a startup, um, you know, we'll we'll be there. So,
0: so you're you would say that the value that you're providing goes well beyond just being a default internet access provider.
3: Most definitely, most definitely. Um, yeah, I honestly, this was like the least favorite thing I ever wanted to do. I know that probably sounds bad, because I understand how much work it is, and you know, Deborah and Travis have both spoken on it. It's it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of just technical learning and just kind of crash course, right? Um, and then you know, people do rely on, it, so they they want to make sure it's going to work for their needs, um, but. Like anything else, unless you provide competition in the marketplace and kind of be that uh, that source of setting that bar high, setting the expectation high on what people are worthy of receiving in terms of service experience, and you know, um, I'm not sure the big companies or even the the all the newcomers uh, like the REMCs or the uh, electric co-ops will partner with the right organizations to make sure our communities get the best experience. So that's another role I'm trying to facilitate is I I challenge folks when they come in and meet with us in our community to make sure they're truly, uh, you know, to Travis's point, investing in the best hardware, the best infrastructure um, and the right partners, people who are actually gonna follow through with their word and not just go grab a bunch of cash um, and run with it, which um, is still to be seen, right? We'll see what happens.
2: So, hey, hey, Chris, I'd like to add a little bit of color around what Joshua's questions here is in the chat. So, you know, what, what we do in Minneapolis for free tiers, we give free public Wi-Fi. And um, with that, it just it, it's a little bit of market awareness advertising for us. And then we follow the 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 billable services are the fixed wireless to the home or the fiber to the home, depending on where they're at. So we've actually found it pretty useful. Now, what we're actually then doing on the, on the free Wi-Fi is we're putting just a small little ad when they log in, and we're getting a few cents off of that to help kind of monetize the network to pay for the infrastructure. So that that's a, so we're going to keep the free tier. Um, I think we have somewhere between seven and nine thousand people a day that use it. So if I can get 10 cents a person you know it'll be enough it'll be enough money to to keep the network going and upgrade it
0: now travis at one point you provided free service only at select parts of the network in parks and things like that but now it's like every access point which is pretty much throughout minneapolis is that yeah yeah,
2: right? yeah we have 2500 access points deployed so they're all open and um you know so we're, we're able to we're able to get people on you know we also broadcast ssids for marketing you know um, that that our service is available in the area. So, so we actually, I was kind of like Joshua, where it's like, eh, what is this going to do to the market share? You know, it's actually, I think, improved it.
0: And for people who might be listening later, um, Josh has been making comments in the chat. Uh, this isn't just a case of Travis confusing Neil with someone else. No, no, no. no. <laughs> he,
2: he, he had he had good points. You know, it's like yeah. your your instinct is. If I give something away for free, you know, I'm, how how am I going to be able to make my car payment, right? Or how am I, how am I even going to be able to pay for the equipment that I bought? Hmm. So I think it's a valid point. And have we played government program of the week yet, Chris? Is there a new one? Everyone? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, no, but okay. uh, since we last chatted, um, the 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 port of LA is going to go to twenty four hours. So uh, hopefully we'll. We'll see more things happening, although I think the issue is um, – Neil, uh, how do you feel about driving trucks from L.A. to yeah. Minneapolis? Hey,
3: let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm not sure that's going to do much, but we'll see.
0: Deb, are there any final comments that you have, any closing comments?
1: Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to maybe kind of loop back to Neil's point about partnerships. And um, I think, Chris, you were asking about, well, what if, you know, another player wants to come in and, and operate fiber? And I think, you know, Althea's perspective is that um, by decoupling that service layer from the infrastructure, we can come up with lots of really new, um, great models that allow for different types of investment in, in capital expenditure from, you know, whether it's a utility or a government or a private entity. That then um, that local provider, whether that's a co-op or that's a private enterprise or whatever, that also can can and make money. And this also allows um, existing providers to open up their market share in more risk-friendly ways too. So I, I think that's what's really exciting is if we can find a way to um, provide infrastructure investment um, and then have a local service layer, that's where we all kind of, you know, win and thrive. And I think that's what all, you know, Althea is trying to help facilitate having happening.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you all. Um, i having that little indicator, which makes me wonder if I'm getting g- garbled, <laughs> 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 definitely going to make sure I'm, I'm running this clean next time. I'm, I'm deeply ashamed that I think this may have actually been my problem rather than um, Comcast. Comcast did leave me in the lurch during a call this morning, so I was sensitive to it, but um, I think it's just a coincidence that then I screwed up which browser I'm using and stuff. Hmm. Um, Neil, really appreciate your time today uh Deb thank you as well for for coming on to provide some of that that color and background and uh Travis as always uh this is fun I'm I'm glad that I'm not making any more foolish bets with you that will require me to have to um, buy you meals in the future but uh,
2: hey, I, I I think your FCC bet is almost in the bag for me now right I mean I, yeah
0: yeah, it will be remarkable if in fact, uh, for people who aren't familiar, the FCC has to change the definition of broadband before some date in February, and uh, it looks like it's not going to happen. So um so
2: it'll be chicken wings all year for me free next year. Thank you, yeah. Christopher Mitchell. Yeah. Now, did you, tell your, did you tell your wife about this bet? I just was. I was yeah, worried. no, I mean,
0: you know, I, I think she'll, she'll support me because she's foolish enough to still be with me after all these years. <laughs> um, someone who doesn't, uh, hasn't understood the sunk cost fallacy, I'm glad to say. Um, but, um, you know, I, uh, I just feel foolish in that we haven't gotten together enough this time, this year, Travis. Uh, I'm, I'm like the only one who seems to be more busy the less I can go outside. Um, so I'm doing something wrong here. Um, you know what? I,
2: I really enjoyed the conversation today. And I, I, you know what? I really admire people that actually do stuff. So Deb and Neil, super great to talk I to guess. you. So thanks for hanging out with us. And yeah, I mean, just don't be afraid to try it
0: yeah i think that's the thing is that i mean like you know deb we've we've talked many times and neil you know we've been talking for more than an hour. so i feel like an ex i'm an expert on you too so um (laughs) but i feel like like people who do things often don't see themselves as being particularly special they're just people who do things like you can choose to go out and be a person who just does things and it builds on itself so you know for people who are not sure about this you know just choose to do something do it tomorrow
3: If, if anyone wants to ever reach out to me like i mean I fail every single day. I mean, a lot. Okay. So don't <laughs> be ashamed to reach out if you have a question or if you're going through something it's challenging, you don't know how to find the right team or partners. I'm happy to help out. So,
2: Failing is learning, right?
0: Yeah. A lot of the things that I do, it's weird because I feel like it's not that hard, but it's not that hard because we've invested the time to figure it out and we failed. Like That's the thing. A lot of stuff is not that hard. You just have to invest the time. To figure it out and fail and get used to that.
3: Yeah. And can I say one more thing, Deborah? I've been following you for a while and you're so inspiring. I mean, you're you're touching thousands of lives. I mean, how awesome is that? And I think you're just getting started. So, um, I can't wait to keep watching your story evolve.
1: I will continue to fail for all of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a great place to end. So, thank you, everyone. It's been another fun episode of Connect This.